the water destroys the apartment, which is inevitable. The apartment will suffocate itself to because the water it can partake only for the illustration of the God in such ruin. The water feel like love with its is and collapse as they the water destroys the apartment, which is inevitable. The apartment will suffocate itself because it can partake only in the illustration of love in such ruin. This does not feel like love, but is. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yes, hello, and welcome back, or rather, welcoming myself back to Relevant Tones. This is your host, Austin Williams, and this is my first show in the new year. I'm excited to get back and present some wonderful new music to uh, the audience that is you. You just heard the first section of a piece performed by Loadbang Ensemble, written and composed by Alex Bertos. The name of the piece is Many Worlds. This piece, or the recording you heard rather, was off of Load Bang's uh, Premieres uh, Volume 20 concert, which is a regular uh, concert series that they host and curate um, in New York. Um, I had the excellent chance to chat with members of the Load Bang Ensemble, Andy Kozar and William Lang, and get to talk to them about their experience with working with these composers and everything like that. If you're not familiar, Load Bang Ensemble uh, is championing uh, new works um, by living composers and constantly commissioning and seeking out new people to collaborate with. Um, and it's just phenomenal to see what they're doing with new folks. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview and see what Load Bang has been doing. And we can get some more uh, thoughts on this current concept that they had for their premieres, Volume 20. Before we do that, I would like to mention that Relevant Tones has done something exciting in the new year, and we have launched a Patreon page. Uh, this page is for listeners who are consistent and would like to support the podcast and see us grow and do some more interesting things. Um, please go ahead and check it out. As of now, we are open to ideas and figuring out what we can offer you as a listener. If you have ideas or exclusive content that you would like to have as part of your Patreon experience, please feel free to drop us a line on any of our social media or email. All right, let's jump into the interview, and here's Loadbang. All right, we are here with members of the lovely Loadbang Ensemble. Uh, we have the trombonist William Lang and the uh, trumpet player Andy Kozar. How's it going, guys? Good. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. Um, 
I'm excited to have you guys on here. You've been championing new works and commissions for um, as long as I've been paying attention to you guys, which is a few years now, but you're, you go way back than, uh, than that. When did the ensemble start? So we started, we were all um, friends at Manhattan School of Music. This was back in, well, we started our master's program in 2007 in the flagship wow. year of Manhattan School of Music's contemporary performance program. And then about a year in, Andy and I were running a small concert series in an abandoned library that they kind of shoved our graduate program into. And um, for April Fool's Day in 2018, we got together, the four of us in the original group, and started Load Bang. We first, um, Jeff Gavitt, our founding baritone, wrote us the first piece that we ever did. Mm. We did some graphic scores by... um, Earl Brown, I believe, and we sang some barbershop quartets very poorly. So we've been at it in a couple of months. It'll be year fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's 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 amazing. Um, any uh, ensemble that focuses on doing new music or commissions that lasts that long is honestly just like impressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little bit like dog years. Yeah, right? like so we're we're fifteen, so I think that makes us like eighty or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, that's that's so great. Um, you know, again, really glad to have you guys been not be on here. Um, the just the history that you guys have under your belts is also you know awesome. Uh, I have to ask is so when I heard your name initially, it reminded me of like a Max MSP patch. Uh, like you load it, like it's it's like an object in there. Is it related to that or is it? <laughs> Yeah, we were we were taking a max class at MSM at the same time we okay. were in school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were tossing around a couple possibilities for names, um, and that one came up, and we thought it sounded like cool and exciting and powerful and a little bit confusing. Um, so we reached out to the folks at Cycling Seventy Four just to make sure they were cool with us using it, and and they said to go nuts, so we did. That's really cool, actually. That you <laughs> got the got the green light from uh, from the company itself. So yeah, wanted to make sure we didn't get like shut down by a lawsuit before we even got started. With yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So I had to get that out of the way. Just really curious about that. Um, I mentioned before, you guys have been championing new works and commissions, um, and you're on your uh, 20th uh, presentation of uh, uh, premieres. So today, I wanted to talk about your most recent concert, the 20th presentation of the premieres uh, show. Um, The first piece I kind of want to bring up is um, this piece that was written by Christina J. George um, called Liminal Songs. Thank you. 
Um, I was really taken by the text, which I was informed that uh, you told me that she wrote herself. And uh, and then on top of that, there's this, I mean, wonderful use of text and play. And then uh, obviously the instrumentation being as unique as it is offers for some fun um, timbral play with that as well. So um, how did you guys find Christina or like what was what was the impetus of the whole commission? So Christina was a flute player and composer at the Longy School of Music, where both Andy and I teach. Um, I think Andy met her through the school itself, and then I met her just a little bit later in the summer at our Divergent Summer Workshop, which is hosted at Longy, where she came and um, wrote us a piece, one of the first one of the three liminal spaces pieces that you've heard. She originally wrote that for us for the summer program to cool. do kind of a... A load bang presents show with student composers and so we got to know her as a group there and we thought the piece was strong and um yeah. andy can speak to this she still actually has come to like work with us as well and she then ended up writing the other two pieces just having more thoughts about what to do with the ensemble and it's pretty cool that they've all turned out to be really lovely <laughs> yeah andy what do you got on that yeah, she um so Christina is she's actually still still a student. She's a okay. second year master's student, so she's finishing wow. up this year. Um awesome. And she wrote it yeah, she wrote us this piece. Like Will said, it was really lovely and, and she came to us um saying that that, you know, kind of she realized after she had written this one that there is a lot more that she wanted to do. Okay. Um and I didn't know this about her, but she she writes a bunch. Um yeah. writes uh like a bunch of poetry. Okay. So um 
she asked if she could write a couple more of these and we said of course and um she said can she write a couple more and we said of course so hopefully <laughs> this is gonna sort of turn into i think her idea is like a little bit of a larger yeah, yeah. song cycle um of of her music and yeah it's just it's incredibly mature it's really thoughtful it's yeah it's very beautiful and it it um I think for us as the instrumentalist, she is doing this really great job of allowing the instruments to do what they do naturally very well, while also taking advantage of the fact that um, what we're doing with our instruments in load bang is slightly different from what we would be doing if we were playing trumpet and trombone in an orchestra or a brass quartet right. or something. We're we're using our instruments. Um, in a way that we're like, we're thinking a lot more about how can we sound like a bass clarinet and a baritone voice than I think most brass players end up doing in uh, a normal day. So yeah, Christina, Christina has like, um, walked this fine line really nicely of letting us do the thing that comes naturally to the instruments while Mm -hmm. also allowing us to do the thing that for us comes very naturally now, um, playing with load bang. Yeah. I mean, I can tell in her text and maybe it's, interested to hear if um this is maybe if you guys have anything to say on this but uh her text almost sounds like it's meant to be set to music to an extent or it has like a lot of rhythmic aspects to it um i can't remember the uh it's the one line but it's um there isn't a grain of salt something about that but it was the the repeating line the uh, repetition of that that kind of like uh built on itself Uh, I, i was really like drawn into that um, right. The yeah. um, there is a pattern here, and not a grain of salt with which to take it. Yes. It's the end of ancient history, the second movement. Of yes. The yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There is something. There is something. There is something you know. You know that. Something you know There is something you never saw Something which can stay quiet There is a pattern here A pattern here and I There's a pattern here and I need it Though I cannot touch the sides or see the edges Though I cannot sense the outcome or the hypothesis Though I cannot taste the breeze of the ocean or the lakes of the surrounding continents There's a pattern here and not a grain of salt with which to taste it Thank <laughs> you. 
So as the instrument, like two of the three instrumentalists in the ensemble, um, and you, I mean, you are working a lot directly with text, um, aside from like timbre and stuff, what, um, can either of you speak to your approach to how to emphasize like, uh, text and it can be in the context of this piece, or you can bring up any other piece, um, you care to. So I find that the approach to text will be highly dependent from piece to piece, Mm -hmm. both in how the composer envisions the timbre of the piece to be and the density of the writing itself. So when we have pieces that are extremely dense, like in everybody's crowded around the same set of pitches, or there's extreme dynamics or extreme ranges that it's harder to control the dynamics, mm-hmm. we have to be more sensitive to choosing options that make sure that the text, if it's meant to be heard, can be understood. And then sometimes other composers will write um, either textless voice parts so the voice is just on a vowel Mm -hmm. and it kind of has a blending quality there or they'll write like um very separate like voices separate instruments voices separate instruments and for each piece that we get we have to kind of adapt to the specific challenges of each one and find the place on the spectrum that the composer means to represent either text or voice or equal instrumentation or what that means for each context. Yeah. It's uh, one of the fun challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in the, the Alex Berto's piece um, where you're all speaking text and different yeah. texts at the same time. Um, was that a, <laughs> uh, I would imagine it's something that's been asked of you guys before. So you're probably not super foreign to it. Yeah, after a while, I think we're up to somewhere around 480 pieces written for us. Either during during this year, we'll be around that mark. You just kind of been asked to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So we've been asked to make a lot of vocal sounds and um, yelling, screaming, text. <laughs> Every once in a while, even less like singing a real pitch, like a real note. That's the trickiest for me. But like, <laughs> so. When you've been asked to do so much, when you get like a couple of lines of text, it's like, oh, this is interesting. It doesn't become like um, uh, like a challenge or like um, it just it becomes like as much of a challenge to do right as the notes are. And you can just kind of engage with it musically rather than like thinking technically, oh, I don't speak on stage because we've kind of been asked to do almost everything on stage that you could think of and some things that we hadn't ever thought of before. <laughs> well, in the, I would imagine in the context of the ensemble, right? That's you're just prepared for something like that. Um, just based on history and everything around it, you know, Thank you. 
this is you have been is known by different names, and your own name is each one of them, is each one of them. This does not feel like love, but is.
the builder who stands in the former sky and staple the shingles to the building's door puts the frame north back together This is a much more general load bank thing, but sure. um, when when we're having conversations with composers, like the initial conversations about a new piece, um, and we're talking about length, or we're talking about uh, degree of complications with electronics or setup or anything, mm -hmm. um, we're really down to do whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But the flip side of it is that the longer it is, the more complicated the setup, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It does, it just makes it a little bit harder to do future performances. It makes it harder to like tour it and do yeah. those kinds of things. Um, and so by having a version, for instance, of Alex Burtzos's piece that is unstaged or having a version of Aaron's piece that is kind of a suite, it actually opens up the possibility for us to do 
it more. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you did half the work for a composer there, <laughs> um, which I'm sure that they're stoked about because sometimes you do write something for a very specific, uh, you know, specific ensemble in a specific setting for whatever, whatever. Um, but it's uh, lovely that an ensemble decided, hey, we want to do this music again. How do we make this work? And um, you did. Well, the, you know, yeah, the whole, I mean, the, the whole process of it for both the composer and the performer, it's like takes a lot of time, right? Like if you're dealing with yeah. fundraising, that yeah. takes time. If you're dealing with like the writing the piece takes a long time. We have to learn all the parts and that takes a long time. We have yeah. to put it all together. That takes time. Um, and so to have a piece and to do one performance is like such a bummer. That's one of the things that yeah. actually makes me the most sad about freelance gigs, especially gigs where it's like a piece that I really love playing and then we do it once and then move on with our lives when yeah. like, what would be fun is to do it a couple times or more than a couple times. And, and then, cause I feel like it takes a few performances for a piece to really breathe for, it of to course. Really sort yeah, of you got to let it grow and turn into its own thing because right. there's the idea, <laughs> there's the uh, facsimile that the composer wrote down, handed to the performers and that's that. But then there's the actual music that comes um, from spending time with, um, you know, that idea. So, Right. And I think I think one of the luxuries for us, the nature of, of load bang and, and, you know, maybe chamber groups generally mm -hmm. um, is that we do get to do these things a bunch. I mean, Will, Will keeps track of um, all of our rep and how often it's played and when. OK, um, <laughs> but like, you know, Paula Matheson's piece or Eve's piece or something. How many times have we played those? I think the most we've played a piece is 40 times now for Paula Matheson's Old Fires Catch Old Buildings. And we have a handful of other pieces in the 30s to high 30s. I think Reiko Feuding's Land of Silence, Alex Minchek's Numbers May Be Defined. Mm. And I think maybe Heather Stevens' Quiver is getting up there also. But yeah, it's, it's a fun little project to keep track of everything and kind of like a, have the archive of all the pieces that are there. Because then we can look ahead to future seasons and see... Um, oh, these pieces, we've only done them a few times or we've wanted yeah. to come back to this piece and we can kind of double check and make sure that we're rotating among the repertoire that we really enjoy playing and finding ways that we can combine pieces in new forms. I mean, the fact that you're just, you know, curating your own portfolio and library is just incredibly impressive, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and that's that's great. I yeah. Yes, slowly but surely, there's um, other performances of these pieces popping up more and more. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of different university ensembles, including places like University of New Mexico, Northwestern, wow. Ithaca College, that have performed our pieces. Uh, a recent piece of ours was just done on um, mostly modern festival mm. in New York City, and yeah, there's been a couple of uh, attempts at small ensembles getting together to learn some of our repertoire to play it in different places which yeah. has been it's always really fun to see the pieces kind of take on a life of their own and right. yeah kind of yeah. this one day it's like oh that piece got played somebody <laughs> did hire trinovin's irrational it's like oh nice good yeah. for them <laughs> it's yeah. uh yeah no that's 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 really i mean you have a unique ensemble, right? So the fact that people are trying to replicate it or recreate, um, you know, that in some capacity is also very, it speaks to your performance level too, because you're presenting a, uh, ideal 
level of what the piece should be. And then people are saying, Hey, we want to do that. So, um, that's awesome. That's, that's really great. Like the Pierrot ensemble was new once upon a time, percussion quartet, saxophone quartet, mm-hmm. like the Messiaen, uh, Le Couture with Vien de Tomps on instrumentation. Those are all 20th century ensembles that formed and then grew out over time. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping that ensembles like, you know, our instrumentation, talk ensembles instrumentation and mm-hmm. other fun groups like just continue to grow and maybe have like a 21st century response to those kind of an evolution of form. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you're on the right track. Um, so we talked about Christina George, who is a younger composer. We talked about Alex Bertoz, who um, I wasn't familiar with his works, but he clearly has a uh, quite the quite the catalog. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers. But um, Chen Yi was the one name on the program that stood out to me because I'm familiar with her work quite a bit. Um, that's really great or really cool that you guys were able to premiere a work of hers. Um, was this uh, you guys reaching out to Chen Yi or did Chen Yi reach out to you guys for this? Uh, Chen, Chen Yi, let's see, when did we meet? Um, you know what? When, when we met, this is funny. Um, we were in, this was one of those kind of ridiculous things where you live in the same country and you live kind of close, but it takes going to somewhere like China to actually like meet your colleagues from uh. the United States. <laughs> um, so we were, this was back in 2016, uh, and we were playing at the ASEAN Music Festival uh, in Nanning, China, which is a small-ish city of three million people uh, that's about three hours west of Guangzhou, fairly close to, to Vietnam. Okay. Um, and we were just getting settled and walking into the, like getting into the hotel and getting everything kind of figured out. And we run into Chen Yi and she was saying how, how she was so glad to see us there. We had, we were just meeting her for the first time. Yeah. I guess she was on the panel um, for the granting foundation that was able to help our travel. Oh, over our travel to China. Excellent. Um, and, and she happened to also be a part of this festival. I think maybe she had some music being, being premiered and um, you know, of course she's a huge deal. So yeah everyone wants her to be to be talking and <laughs> playing her music. Um, yeah. And so we continued to have kind of a relationship just back and forth communicating. Um, she had us, uh, her and Yotam Haber had us uh, do a virtual residency at UMKC. It was, it was mm. initially planned to be in person, but then uh, COVID happened. So we yeah. did a virtual residency there. Um, and then I reached out to her just about the possibility of if you know if she was interested in writing a piece for us we have a sort of wish list of composers um sure we've a, a huge list of people we would like to work with and um for some of them we realize like they're probably just going to be too busy and their yeah. commission calendars go and they'll have room in 15 years or something <laughs> um and chen yi responded immediately and was like yes let's do it that's awesome um, and so we were we were able to work together it was something she was really excited about it was something we were really excited about um and so yeah so she wrote us this piece called remember and it has a nice connection too because this year and next year were the um ensemble in residence at cornell university uh-huh. as a part of the stephen stuckey new music residency okay um and she uh i guess was very close with stephen and wrote this piece is uh kind of an homage or a remembrance of of him so there's this kind of nice connection too to this other work that we're doing so we'll um, bring him to Cornell and 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 
give it a performance there in, in April. Yeah. No, it's that, I mean, that whole connection too. I mean, that's a, gotta love when serendipity, you know, takes place of the universe, right?
And, you know, she's such um, a ray of sunshine. Oh, good. It's so lovely to work with her. She's just so kind and thoughtful um, and has, you know, it is really wonderful to work with. She just encouraged us to do more, to be more expressive, to have more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that reads, like when that's the, um, when that's the feedback we're given, uh you know, it encourages us to do exactly that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, I was going to say, if there's one thing that um, her piece has, it's energy, um, and you guys brought it. So, I, you know, I, I definitely got that. Um, good interplay with the ensemble. Um, really stretched the vocalist. Uh. <laughs> yeah, she gave him all sorts of stuff to do, like a really yeah. a really wide range. Um, she also did some really nice – It was it was – fun for me because she basically wrote me clarinet lines that i was playing with adrian which was really fun to get to do yeah um she wrote will these incredibly vocal sounding lines and this Mm. interplay with the vocalist so for for large sections of the piece adrian and i are paired and will and tyler are paired very different kinds of material but happening at the same time so she um kind of got these like two duets going at the same time yeah, for for large parts of it, and I think yeah. she wrote in ways that we, they were fun parts to play. Yeah. Also. So the piece was cool. The resultant overall piece that was greater than any of the one of us as individuals was cool, but yeah. also the the act of playing it, the actual parts were satisfying and and fun to play too. The so the piece starts kind of in this um, in this unison note between I want to say it's uh, trombone and trumpet I might be wrong maybe uh, trombone and bass clarinet trombone bass clarinet so so there's that um, I like how that's kind of um, in a way it's brought back later on but instead of being a unison note they're at just like this aggressive minor second right next to each other so you're brought back to this moment at the beginning you're like oh wasn't that nice then you're brought and then later on it comes back again and you're like ah <laughs> yeah that's a super cool moment you just start off with this really beautiful low fifth mm-hmm. like piano low fifth just really setting this kind of expansive drone and then when it comes mm-hmm. back at the very end it's just like triple forte just hold this minor second out as long as you can I think I'm actually, I'm still on the same note that I played at the beginning. I see. And bass clarinet part jumps up a tritone. Oh, okay. It's this like extra resonance and this like connection between the start and the end of the piece. Got it. That's, uh, 
now you're now you're now I'm being called out. Um, I swore it was a unison in the beginning, um, but maybe it's just like I was hearing the the the, the partial on top of it. But it was just so in tune. <laughs> it, it really was. Like I was truly imp- like when you guys played that first, and I was like, oh god, that sounds beautiful. Like that's it almost sounds like one instrument playing two notes. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some like um, low fifths, especially between trombone and bass clarinet that Adrian have had over time, and like. Yeah. Whenever we get those chances to just really sit on that like quasi drone material, you mm-hmm. can really, you can really make them sound like overtones of mm-hmm. each other in a yeah. really cool, which is uh, super fun to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the interview today. Um, there was quite a bit more that we got to talk about other pieces on the concert, but uh, alas, uh, due to time constraints, here we are. I had such an excellent time speaking with uh, William Lang and Andy Kozar of Load Bang Ensemble about their music, music in general, um, and what it means for them to kind of be um, getting into their mid to late years of their <laughs> career as a new music ensemble. Um, it's still, like I said before, amazing to see how they're championing all the works that they are, encouraging composers to write music for their ensemble. Um, if you are so inclined, please go check out the full concert. Um, it is on their YouTube page called Load Bang Music, and the concert name is Load Bang Presents Premieres Volume 20. As mentioned at the beginning of the uh, episode here, we have just launched a new Patreon. So go ahead and check it out, uh, patreon.com, and check out Relevant Tones. Um, it is still in the works. We are more than willing to hear from our fans. What would you guys like from us um, as a subscriber to the Patreon page? Um, the doors are pretty much wide open. Um, we have some ideas in the works, and it's still in the making, but... Um, to help us curate and create more content, please give it a follow if you're so inclined, and we'll go from there. Relevant Tones is also a product of Access Contemporary Music. Uh, feel free to check out more at acmusic.org. And my name is Austin Williams, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks.